All right, I'm glad to see you. I hope you're glad to see me as well. My name is Russ Dyer. I'm supposed to be the preacher here. I haven't been in this pulpit for I don't know how long now. And people have been rejoicing for the last three weeks. It's just been fantastic. Oh, now it's, it's been a blessing for us to get to have these younger men, these, these young interns and guys that are studying, preparing to work in ministry and preaching and so forth in the days ahead to come and share with us. And we're joyful to be able to share with them and helping them get the educations they need. And it's great to see them and see them develop. And you just think maybe 45 or so years down the road, they could almost be like this. That's a depressing thought, isn't it? Okay. Really, I am glad that you're here today. And I'm glad that we can uh, meet and do this, I think, appropriately, not only with God, but with our society and our times. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of our times. But that's where we are, aren't we? And so we're going to deal with it as best we can. So into the lesson. We think about this. I call the lesson today, Keeping the Basics, number two. If you have a memory that goes back three weeks... I tell people I don't have any trouble with my, with my memory. I remember everything I remember. But uh, you don't have to remember what was said three weeks ago. But nonetheless, I, I shared with you some thoughts from Hebrews, the fifth chapter, at the end of the chapter, talking about it's time to, that we ought to be teachers, and we still need somebody to come and teach us again. The writer continues into the sixth chapter, and really the first eight verses is what I had in mind, but we're only going to read the first three of them in that passage, challenging us to move forward. And that's where we're going to go. If you've got your Bible with you or you want to read it off the screen, it's just fine. In Hebrews chapter 6, the first three verses say, Therefore, based on what he said in chapter 5, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. He goes on to talk about receiving God's blessings and, and returning in like manner rather than, you know, being like the rain that's, I mean, the earth that soaks up rain and maybe turns out only thorn bushes and bristles and briars and so forth. So we don't want to be like that. The challenge is let us be the people who recognize what God has given us, grow and develop and return in like manner. And so that's where I get with not just keeping the basics, but moving from the basics and that's where this goes well many of you will remember the television sitcom the jeffersons i'm sure you planned it every week to go and watch it if you do you can probably sing the theme song let's don't break out into it right now and people that are home and can't be heard please don't break out in song because i want you to hear what i have to say because i don't want you to get lost in a silly television show but it, it just came to mind when i was thinking about this because it was and the theme song says it's about moving on up it's about life in a progression life going someplace it's about moving up and that's the point that we're getting to today because that's really the intended nature of things as God created us and created the world to be. It is our nature. 
Sometimes we may be a bit hesitant. Maybe we're even lazy about it. Still, I think we understand that progress, moving forward, is the very nature of life in general. It's always moving. It's always moving forward. We are always moving. Even when it seems we are regressing in some ways, we're still moving forward in time, aren't we? We are always moving, for if we are not, we're dead. So, if we are progressing, there must be expectations, and that goes to the passage at hand, especially in the area of usable knowledge, because that's what it comes down to, and that's what the writer is talking about, is taking your usable knowledge and putting it to work and growing within that. I think we have high expectations of ourselves, and maybe we even have them of those who are around us on a daily basis, our families, friends, others, people with whom we work. We have expectations that we place on them. And I mean, think about where we are right now and think about what's going on. And as many of you sitting in here with masks or as we go out the door, we're going to put them on. You go in the store, you got to put on a mask and everything. And you're thinking, is that person walking up next to me? Is that person going to give me the disease here any minute? You know, we have those concerns. We have those things going on in our times and society. So tell me, tell me that we are not all waiting for medical science to conquer, to conquer the present problem or problems while using the information that has been gained from earlier challenges and opportunities. Did you catch that? I think you did. I mean, we're making progress from where we were. The things we learned here, we put into application over here. And that's the way life is supposed to be. And that's what the writer is challenging us to be spiritually as we think, as we understand and know what God wants from us. So today, today we have a challenge to step forward. A challenge to step forward in our knowledge, to step forward spiritually, to make progression the important thing in our lives. So let me give you a couple of thoughts in that regard that might sometimes need to be considered as we move forward. Because one of, the, one of these is, is a don't. Somewhere in the, in the library back there, I've got a book that says Do's and Don'ts for Christians. Leroy Brownlow, I think, put that out. I can't remember for sure. Kind of an interesting old book. But anyway, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of don'ts except this. Don't get into analysis, paralysis, or mirror contemplation. Those two things almost go together. Because you think about it. You think about it. You don't have to know you know, as we start analyzing and figuring things out and exactly what they are and how they work and how they go and ins and outs and every limitation that's in it, you don't have to know where the metal was mined in order to use that simple tool, the hammer, that was made from it, or the wood, as the picture might show. You don't have to know where it was mined. You're going to pick up a hammer and use it. You're not going to think about exactly where the metal came from or how the foundry worked to make it into what it is and how it was shaped and everything. You're probably not even going to sit down and say, well, I'm trying to decide if this is a 16-ounce hammer or not or whatever. You're just going to use it, aren't you? And you're going to use it hopefully the way it's intended to be. And hopefully you're going to keep your thumb out of the way when you're using it. That's 
the way we are. We take what we know, we put it to use. We don't have to consider every detail of everything about it in order to use it. I think sometimes we get into those spiritual quandaries, those spiritual quandaries and quagmires of things that we're so, so debative and so, so analyzing that we lose sight of really what we're dealing with and we're only analyzing the inside of our heads for a little while. We tend to like the way we think, and we often spend a lot of time admiring it. It's as if we're standing before that, that, uh, that mirror in the fairy tale and saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, and we change it, say, who's the smartest of us all? My mother used to say, used to say you know, I think he likes the sound of his own voice a whole lot. <laughs> he could, she couldn't have been talking about me at all, I, not at all. And I think we like to analyze things in and out and think about our brains and how our brains are working and how we see it and we see it this way. You know, we need to realize that as Christians, as spiritual beings, as people before God, we are not part of a think tank or an ego contest. It's not about who can come out on top and my thinking is better than your thinking in this regard. I know there are situations in life in which the, the, those educational credentials and so forth are, are very important. But we need to realize that our education, our growth as Christians, it, it, the, the things we accomplish and we understand are not trophies to put in a case somewhere, but they are tools for greater achievement. Did you get that? They are tools to use in our lives. Not just so you can go in and say, look at all these. And look at all these tools I've got. No. They better be there for use. We don't want to become like many with whom Jesus and others dealt with in his ministry and time because the Jewish leaders, especially the Jewish people during his time in that, in that early New Testament, late Old Testament era, they were, they were caught up in their discussions and their debates about about detailed things and they would just wrangle over every jot and tittle that's every mark in their language you know every dotted i every cross t they were they were so debative about it and and so forth and you know how many steps could you take before it was work on a sabbath day well, I don't know. Yours might be more than mine, mightn't it? I, I don't know. But that's the way they would do, you know. And I've told you before, could you pick up a rock on a Sabbath? No, but if your child had a rock in his pocket, could you pick up your child? <laughs> you know, what kind of discussion do we get into sometimes with these things? We used to hear discussions sometimes about whether the water in a baptistry, we could baptize people in a baptistry, you know. What's wrong with the water in there? Well, it has to be running water and it has to be outside. Well, I heard one speaker get up and say, uh, he got up to say, well, could we put the baptistry outside? Well, that would be okay. How about if we just built the building over it then? You know, you can get into all kind of ridiculous discussions if you want to about any detail of anything. Now, that is is not to ignore it. That is not to ignore the value of understanding what it is. That's not my point. But when we just sit and wrangle something and we've got to make sure we've got every, every concept about it understood before we can move forward, we miss the point. The Jewish leaders were caught up in those kind of things. And I think that's why Paul wrote to Timothy and he said not to get caught up in useless wranglings. Because when we apply truth, applied truth is not always, is not always, and probably most of the time not, a full understanding of every implication of it. 
And I don't mean to be rude, but outside of me, I don't know anybody that's got full knowledge of anything. I'm just kidding. You understand? Aren't we all in process? Yeah, we are. We're all in process. We're all growing in our understanding. We're all learning things. We're all facing circumstances that are new in our lives and opportunities that may be new in our lives and how we adapt to them. Because if we cannot use something until we are complete in our understanding of it, we will never do anything. We could never use math because we would never have a full knowledge of our math or of science. It's always growing, always developing, and always learning. Just think about that. Our children could never walk, could never, ever walk. You say, what are you talking about? Because they wouldn't know how to run yet, so they can't walk. Or if you say, well, running and walking are different. Okay, they could never walk because they would be toddling and falling over first. So we got to make sure they can get up and they can walk at a certain stride before they ever do it. And what are we talking about when we talk about walk? How great a step is it going to be? How many do you have to take before it's a walk? You know, we can get into all kinds of ridiculous arguments. Now, I bored you to death with all that, haven't I? I don't want us to get caught up. I don't want us to get caught in the thing. Yes, I recognize what James tells us. Let not many of you be teachers because they will receive the greater judgment or condemnation. But what teacher do you know that knows everything? Yes, we need to know enough to be able to teach if we're going to teach someone. If we're going to share a piece of information, we're going to share something spiritually, if we're going to share something about God, there's knowledge you have to have to be able to do that. You can't talk about God if you don't know God. We get to know God. And there are things that we need to know that are beyond the basics. We need to know the basics, but beyond the basics. An elder I once knew many, many years ago, his name was Cecil, and he was a good man. But he would often say in meetings, he'd say, the, the only thing that needs to be preached, the only thing that needs to be preached in the, in the church assembly, in the worship, was faith, repentance, and baptism. We never need to preach anything else. And I said, but, one time I said, but 90% of the people you're preaching to are already Christians. They already know about faith and baptism. Maybe sometimes they need a little repentance pressed on them. And yes, faith needs to grow. But if that's all we ever tell people, what are they going to know? You know, there's an old joke about the preacher who only preached about water baptism. It goes back, I don't know how many years. You probably heard it. If you haven't, oh boy. The preacher just kept preaching about water baptism. Every week was water baptism. Finally, some of, the, some of the leaders of the church came to him and said, can't we hear something besides water baptism every week? Don't you, can't you? He said, well, yeah, I guess I could do that, give you a little something different. So the next Sunday, he got up, turned to the book of Genesis, and he began to teach them about Noah. And he said, and the rains came for 40 days and 40 nights. You already know where this is going, don't you? And he said, and that leads us to our subject, water baptism. Okay, that's just a joke. But sometimes we may get so hung up in one thought or one area that we are never able to move forward in the way that we should. James' admonition is 
that of knowing what you're talking about. But here we have even more moving forward. It is not lessening the importance of these fundamentals, of these basics. There should not be a need, but there should not be a need to constantly, constantly debate and relay that foundation of repentance, of faith, of baptism, of, as they said, the laying on of hands, whether that's the endorsement or the dealing with the Holy Spirit he's talking about there, or the resurrection of the dead or eternal judgment. These are all listed. These are all listed. You look at that list sometimes. These are all listed as elementary principles. Might put us to shame sometimes if we look at them very carefully and say, boy, we're still kind of hung up on some of this. It's not that we can't talk about them, but we know, need to know how to use them and apply them, and that's the point at hand. Because elementary principles are not fully sufficient and some of the more difficult challenges that we face in our lives and dealing with our culture, our times, and people. Progress is not only expected, but it is necessary. And so we need to recognize then that we are dealing with God's time. We're dealing with God's plan, with God's time, with His, His prescription of things. Notice what the writer says. And this we will do. Lay, not lay again, moving forward. And this we will do. I like that. And this we will do. Ambition. Ambitious plans. Looking forward. We need to be doing something. Just kind of our discussion coming down here this morning. Ambition. Having ideas. Where we're going. Feeling the value of doing something and accomplishing it is very important in our lives. Ambitious plans are not fully under our control though. And we need to realize that. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought a year ago? less than a year who would have thought less than a year ago we would be as we are today if you did you're far more force have far more foresight than i've got i was trying to think how i was saying that you've got far more foresight than i've got somebody says yeah i wrote a book about it 10 years ago i don't care what you wrote about it 10 years ago i didn't see it last year i don't think anybody saw it last year but at the same time ambition is not a bad thing to say, we want to do this. We want to move forward. It can be a self-serving and arrogant situation, and that can be really problematic. Jesus told the story in Luke 12 of the farmer who had the great abundance of things coming in, and he thought, what, what am I going to do? Well, I'll just build bigger barns to put it all in, and then I'll say, hey, buddy, you got yourself set up forever now. And the Lord said, ha, this night is your soul required of you. And his life was over. I know it's just a story, but Jesus was telling it, and was telling it with a purpose. In like manner, the, the writer here says, we will do it if God permits. Listen to the psalmist. The psalmist, psalmist writes in Psalm 27, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Think about that. It's not about sitting in a waiting room saying, I wonder when the Lord's going to do something. I wonder when the Lord's going to do something. No, it's but listening, responding to him and what he gives us. It's drawing from him. It's not jumping ahead of him. There are stories throughout the Old Testament, those who wanted to jump ahead, even some of Jesus' disciples did that along the way, wanted to kind of get ahead of what the Lord was saying and so forth. And it can be challenging. It can be challenging for the spiritually ambitious to be able to separate the will of the Lord from their or our own desires. 
We often hear somebody say, well, I think the Lord is telling me to do so and so on. And oh, you know what runs through my mind? Can I be cynical for a minute? I'm going to be. Can I be cynical for just a minute? When somebody comes up and says, I think the Lord is telling me so and so, I said, is the Lord telling you that or are you wanting to do that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't always understand or know God's providence and how it works. But sometimes somebody says, well, the Lord's telling me to do this. Well, I don't know whether the Lord's telling you that or it's just your own designs and desires. For I'm kind of reminded, I'm kind of reminded of Revelation 6 of those martyred souls under that altar, that picture of those martyred souls under that altar and they're calling out to, to the Lord. They're calling out to the Lord, how long, Lord, how much longer must we wait? Well, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, we need to submit everything to the will. He calls it the will of the Lord. We are on God's time. Let God's control be in place. We're not just talking about literal time as minutes and hours and days, but listening to what God has to say, dealing with it as God would, would have us deal with it, dealing with it as he would direct, direct us through his word and give us the, the encouragement to be and to do. And so, we don't want to get hung up in our own thinking and we want to listen to what God has to say and be on God's time. And so the challenge is, when you recognize it, then produce. And that's the idea. We take what we've learned and we put it into our lives and into the actions of our lives. Jesus in his ministry emphasized production. Being and doing what you are supposed to be. He tells so many parables about being ready and be, doing the things you need to do. One of them and one of the more famous is the parables of the workers and being tied to different levels in their, their lives. Matthew 25, and, and he gave a certain amount to this one, a certain amount to this one, a certain amount to this one. But he ex had expectations of every one of them when he returned. Parables of workers were tied to levels of product and service that he was offering. And there are many of them that Jesus told. And you wouldn't want to miss, you wouldn't want to miss the event of the fig tree. There in the, the final days, Jesus came across that fig tree and he wanted a fig and there were no figs. And he cursed the fig tree and the fig tree withered and died. And it amazed his disciples. And if you just take the, the story by itself, you say, well, that was very unkind of Jesus. But it's a lesson. It's something to learn and understand. For Jesus had already addressed the idea of the, of the vineyard and being, he being the vine and we being the productive branches and the father being the vine dresser, caring for the garden. He determined that we should be productive in our lives of who we are and what we are. Some have turned that only into evangelistic thrusts and, and converting other people, but I've got to tell you, it's far bigger than that. It's about your life and who you are and who you are becoming. And that's exactly what he determined of, his, of himself in John 9. He said, I'm here to do the will of my Father. It, that's what he's here to do. Not my own, but the will of my Father. To produce what God has given me to do is what he's saying.
We like production, don't we? We like for things to produce. We like them to do what we want them to do. Well, we've had an interesting time. I always watch Paula and her flower gardens. And if you've been in our backyard, you know she works hard in her flower gardens. And this year, there was something a little bit different this year. And I hope she doesn't mind me telling. Well, it's too late now. Something would spring up in the garden and she'd say, well, I'm not sure whether that's a weed or one of the wildflowers that I planted there. I said, I've determined I'm going to wait and see. And I'd sit there and think, I want to dig the thing up, get it out of the way. If we're going to have to dig it up, let's dig it up now. But she'd say, we're going we're to wait and see. You know what we're doing? We're waiting to see if it would produce. Remember how James talked about the, the patient farmer? who waits to see what is produced. Even Jesus told the story of sometimes you let things grow together until later, and then you pull out the things that are bad. But I know the question always comes up, what is it that we are to produce? Vineyards are supposed to produce grapes, aren't they? That's what you want. If you've got a vineyard, you want it to produce grapes. You've got a grapevine in your yard, you want it to have grapes. It's not an open matter. And what he's telling us here, you don't drink the blessings and not produce the desired results. If we've got plants in our yard and they're not producing what they're supposed to produce, you cut them down, you take them out. And that's what he told in John 15. You, you cut off the parts of the plant that are not producing, that don't bear like they ought to. You don't drink the blessings and not produce the desired results. It's not thorns and briars that are desired from God's blessings. And so, he says, produce. This is, this is a challenge. It's laid for us, not in an ugly manner, but in a manner to say, we are to be becoming. We are to be becoming something, and something important. And so we are to bear fruit. Fruit. Bear much fruit, John 15, verse 1 through 8. Bear much fruit, and then you glorify God. Verse 8 tells us, and we might look for a clue if we want to know what that fruit is. Look over in Galatians 5. Look at verses 22 and following. The fruit of the Spirit is listed there and contrasted with the works of the flesh. And so you put these things and these things are evidenced in your life and how you live and the attitudes that you have and how you respond in the world in which you live. I know the world is not where we want it to be. I know our situation is not what we want it to be. We want some things to be different, and, and they will be. I don't know what they'll be. I'm kind of like 1 John 3. Doesn't yet appear what it'll be. I don't know exactly, but it will be different no matter what. But I leave you with the thought. The Lord intends us to move forward, he intends us to grow, and he intends us to develop. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is getting across. No, you don't lose the basics. You don't throw them out. You don't discard them. But I think we ought to notice that one of the prime commands from God in the beginning of time is as fundamental as it can be, and it carries with us right here and now. Adam and Eve, and he placed them in that garden and had the instructions for them there. But you remember what he told them? He brought them together. You remember what he told them? Be fruitful, 
That ought to be enough right there. Be fruitful and multiply. He said, I'm expecting progress. And thus for us as well. May we grow and be productive in our concept and understanding and knowledge and in our application of what the Lord desires us to be. We're going to sing this song of encouragement this morning and hope if there's someone who does need to respond today, if you've considered a need in your life and you want it corrected, we would gladly pray with you and help you get on the right road. If you've never put the Savior on in baptism and you want to do so today, we can assist you in doing that this very day. If there is a need you have or something that you need to make known, please let this be your opportunity. It is an invitation especially for you and all you need to do is come as we stand and we sing together.